This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast, Episode 10, A Final Plea to Vatican II Catholics. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. This, the name of this prayer is Ite Missa Est, I-T-E, M-I-S-S-A-E-S-T. I came with my sins, my troubles, my weakness, my limitations. I go with the life of Christ, with the host in my soul. Let me go as a host offered with him and for the love of him. To those, to all those who I come in contact today. Let me be to them a Christ, loving with his love, not with sentimentality and selfishness, not asking for anything, but my own heart, an altar of sacrifice, where he shall be offered for them in patience and submission, in compassion and service, in cooperation in abrogation, in wrestling with self, and please God in dying to self. Let him be a host lifted in me, in places where otherwise no host comes. Let me show his beauty, his simplicity, his attractiveness, in laughter, in tenderness, in my interest in their affairs, in seeing the good in them, fostering their aspirations, and making myself, my heart, not only the outside of me, accessible to them. Let me reveal him even when I fail, in humility, in acknowledgement of my faults, without servility, without morbidity, without the vanity which is amazed by its own failure, but asking forgiveness and going on trusting him. Let me work with his devotion to duty, to the will of God and for the glory of God. Let my soul be his Nazareth and let Christ in me be among my fellow workers and be in ways I shall not know, light to them in strength. Let them be happier because in me he has with exquisite courtesy chosen to be among them. I have this morning in heaven I have been this morning in heaven, and heaven has come to abide in me. Let me take heaven with me into the world. Most of all, Lord, who are in my soul, can adore God as I cannot. Do you adore him for me and in me? Win for us, Lord, the kind smile of our Father, and let him see in each of us, each one of us, not ourselves, but you, his beloved son, in which who he is well pleased. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The next, the next prayer is to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, give me a heart that is fresh 
and open as the heart of a child, and as transparent as the waters of a clear spring. Give me a generous heart that does not brood over and harbor the unpleasant things which it has encountered. A magnonious heart that gladly gives itself, a heart that knowing its own weakness understands and becomes deep, more deeply sympathetic toward the weaknesses of others, a deep, grateful heart that does not overlook small things. Give me a heart that is gentle and humble, that loves without expecting love in return, that gladly leaves another's heart to give way to your son, a noble and buoyant heart that will not become embittered by disappointments, that because of its fault will not become ungenerous in its sacrifices, that will not become paralyzed by trials, and will not be neglected by neglect, and that will not be discouraged by indifference. But give me a heart which in its love of Jesus will be drawn by the irresistible current toward further honor and glory of his sacred heart that will find no rest until I enter into heaven. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, amen. I want to start off by saying that the things I'm going to be talking about in my final appeal, um, I was definitely guilty of when I was in the Vatican II sect. And... To certain degrees, I'm still guilty of these same things. But I'm trying with the help of Mother Mary and Lord Jesus to purge my soul of these faults and sins. The last two episodes were about my background, my objections to the Vatican II Council, and the heresies of the Vatican II Council documents. This is going to be my final plea to the followers of the Vatican II sect. I'm doing this because to assume that you're going to get another day or that your life circumstances won't be drastically changed in an instant is the sin of presumption. I'm going to attempt to be thoughtful, charitable, and humble in so far as possible. My first goal as a true Catholic is the truth. And the number one truth in anyone's life and in society in general is the spiritual and religious truth of God. All other truths are secondary. The truth, or I'm sorry, in God there's no compromise with falsehoods, meaning it's an all or nothing proposition. Either you totally give your life to God and his truths, or if you make compromises, you reject those truths. 
My second goal is in spirit, which means that I have to establish a spiritual relationship with God as laid down by God and his one true church, which I consider the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church. My two spirit, uh, I'm sorry, my two scriptural touchstones are St. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, which I will quote to you because I feel that this is necessary. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true adorer shall adore the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father also seeketh such to adore him. God is the spirit, and they, and they that adore him must also adore him in spirit and in truth. The next uh, spiritual uh, touchstone is St. John chapter 18, verses uh, 36 through 38. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now that my kingdom is not from hence... Pilate answered, uh, I'm sorry, Pilate therefore said to him, Answer thou a king then? Or, I'm sorry, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. For this was I was born, and for this came I into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth, and everyone that is all. I'm sorry, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith to him, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and saith to them, I find no cause in him. The final argument I'm going to lay down here are going to I'm going to attempt to use spiritual arguments. Um, the um, the confession guide that I'm going to use is written by Reverend F. X. Lasance. L-A-S-A-N-C-E, out of his prayer book. Um, this is basically used off the Ten Commandments. Um, although I've been out for a little while of the Vatican II Church, maybe they use a different, a different confession formula. I don't know. As a last note, in the book of Acts, Peter and John, I'm sorry, St. Peter and St. John are brought before the Sanhedrin 
which was the uh, Jewish high religious court, for preaching Jesus' doctrine after the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles and Mother Mary at Pentecost. The majority of the religious leaders wanted to flog St. John and St. Peter. But the Rabbi Gamil said, Let them go. If it is false, it'll die out. But if it grows, it is God's will and we cannot fight it. So, basically, this is the attitude I take with uh, doing what I think is God's will. Um, If it is of God, it'll be blessed. If it is not of God, maybe somehow, somewhere, if it's in his will, it'll help some people out. It's a matter of God's divine providence, and I'm surrendering to it. Now, as the uh, as the quote in Saint John four twenty three, I'm sorry, chapter four, verses twenty three through twenty four says, "In spirit and in truth." Now. What I would like to ask you is, are you in a spiritual relationship with God as laid down by pre-Vatican II Church? Or are you accepting the false teachings and doctrines of the Vatican II sect? Um, by the way, the, um, the questions I will be quoting in this uh, episode, um, like I said, they're based off the Ten Commandments, and the book I quoted from uh, is a prayer book, and it was printed in the early 20th century, pre-Vatican II. Now, if you're accepting a blatant heretic like anti-Pope Francis, That would mean you're violating the first question on the list. Have you doubted in matters of faith? If you honestly believe that anti-Pope Francis is a legitimate Pope, even though he has committed numerous acts of public and blatant acts of blasphemy and heresy against the teachings of the one true Catholic Church, then you're doubting the rule before Vatican II that the Catholic Church had that public heretics put themselves out of church. That, you know, because the the pre-Vatican II to church is the one true church. Um, you know, it has been written in in the teachings of that church that a public heretic automatically puts himself out of the of the Catholic Church. And doubting God when he said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. 
um, basically, if a public and blatant blasphemer and heretic is a pope, then that would mean that one of two things. One, either Jesus was wrong or lied to us. Or two, that that person, that person that calls himself Pope, is a liar and a fraud. I can't make it any, any simpler than that. Now, you may argue that you're ignorant of what constitutes blasphemy and heresy. But then you condemn yourself if you say this. Because you would only say this if you were being lazy or complacent. Catholicism demands your sacrifice and your allegiance. As a Catholic, it is up to you to understand your faith and practice it to the best of your abilities. And that means in spirit and in truth. What constitutes spirit and truth? Putting it simply, it means having the correct faith and doctrine. And despite what Vatican II might, che- might teach, there are not many paths to heaven. There is only one path. And going back to understanding the faith and practicing it, St. Paul said in one of his uh, epistles, study to show thyself approved. And if you intend on establishing a spiritual relationship with God, it must be according to to the teachings and the doctrines of the one true church. Now, I'm going to say this. And like I said, I am a former former member of the Vatican II Church. I have noticed that there seems to be two types of people. This is just a generality. This is not a broad brush. But the first the first type of person, they accept the obvious um, blatant heresies and um, blasphemies that occur every day in the Vatican II Church. But With some of them, we got to remember the Vatican II Church has been around for almost 60 years, uh, actually 60 years, that if they're, you know, probably 50 and younger, this is all they grew up with. They think it's the norm. Now, these guys are still, they're still wrong because they're being complacent and uh, lazy, but in the spirit of charity, you could also argue that they're ignorant as well. So, 
you know, I'm not a canon lawyer. I don't want to get into the degrees of, you know, heretic or whatever. I will just say that those who accept Vatican II unquestioningly in the spirit of charity are probably ignorant. The second part of the church is what I call the neo-traditionalists. These are the guys who tried to stay to the pre-Vatican II church while at the same time they recognized Vatican II as legitimate and they recognized the Pope, the Popes of Vatican II as legitimate. Now, this, this, uh, this attitude does not make sense. This this attitude does not make sense because in the writings of many saints and church fathers and popes, it is said, number one, the Catholic Church cannot change. So um, anybody who reads through the Vatican II documents will, you know, who has an understanding of uh, pre-Vatican II Catholicism will, will see that these are obvious blatant changes oh i'm sorry i also forgot um these neo-traditionalists they say well we recognize vatican ii and we recognize the vatican ii popes however however if they teach error or heresy or blasphemy we're going to resist them now I was taught this even when I was very, very ignorant of the Catholic religion in my RICA class given by a Vatican II priest that when the Pope teaches on faith and morals, he's infallible. And furthermore, um, there have been several bulls written by Catholic popes uh, Pre-Vatican II, obviously, that say that the Pope is the head of the Church. You know, if you're if you're some civilian lawyer, or if you're some civilian um, apologist, you know, you don't you don't get to pick and choose what what you will follow and what you won't follow. The bottom line is, if you recognize Francis as a legitimate pope, you got to do what he says. Okay, so the second question is gone to places of worship. Belonging to other sects. Actually, in the book, it says denominations. No, they're, they're called sects. There's no such thing as a denomination. You're, you're either the true church or you're not. If you're not the true church, you're a sect. And if your answer is yes, then you've broken the first commandment. If there is only one true faith... And it isn't the general Christianity of Vatican II sect.
it is the one true Catholic Church. And I, I want to backtrack. Um, the the neo traditionalists that we're talking about, they they claim that Catholicism is the one true faith, but they accept the Vatican II Council and their teachings, which also state that Catholicism isn't, you know, the only way to salvation. You could be, you could be a Protestant, you can be a, uh, a Hindu, you can be a Muslim, and you will still get to heaven. Okay? Now, if you consider yourself a true Catholic, and by the way, pre-Vatican II Catholic teachings, there's only one true way, that's the Catholic Church. Okay, you can't be a Hindu, you can't be a Protestant, you can't be a Muslim and get to heaven. So if you consider yourself a traditional, uh, true Catholic, how can you subscribe to this teaching? How can you subscribe to these popes being legitimate when they're contradicting and teaching the opposite of what's been taught for the past 1900 years? Anyway... So, I know a lot of Vatican II, and I've been guilty of this myself, of going to heretical and schismatic, uh, heretical and schismatic sects. You're worshiping false gods, and you're also guilty of religious indifferentism. Yes, and I do. I do realize. I do realize that Vatican II teaches. Oh, we all worship the same God. Any study of the doctrines of Hinduism, well, first of all, Hinduism is pantheistic. So I don't think, I don't know how you can square of there being one God and saying that a pantheistic religion, uh, you can get to heaven by being in that church. Um, As far as Islam goes, um, Basically, you know, um, you know, they de- they deny the Blessed Mother, um, they deny the Trinity, they deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They say he's a uh, uh, a prophet, but he's not God. I mean, <laughs> that also contradicts Catholic teachings, you know. And then as far as Protestantism goes, I have said on an earlier episode that not only does Protestantism deny and distort Catholic teachings, but basically it's, it's, it's basically a secular religion with political leanings dressing up as a as a Christian church, you know, you, uh, I'm not going to assume that any of you know any Protestant or know what your background is, but I've also been a Protestant and many Protestants, um, they're basically worried about, you know, the here and the now, what's going on on earth, the political situation. 
And I'm not saying that all Protestants are like this. There are some who try to form a relationship with God. Uh, my uncle, uh, bless his soul, who has passed, he uh, he tried to have a spirit. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm going to say tried. He tried to have a spiritual relationship with God. But if you're following false and distorted teachings, you can't have a spiritual relationship with God. You know, unless he blesses you with his grace, you're going to be stuck in those false teachings and you're not going to be able to understand the true teachings. Okay, so, and in the third question of this confessional guide, it asks you, have you omitted religious or, or I'm, yeah, religious uh, duties or practices through motives of human respect? Now, I think that this is self-explanatory, but, you know, I'm... I'm not going to make any assumptions here. Basically, what they mean by human respect is, is maybe you know that Vatican II is heretical. Maybe you know that. But you still attend, defend, and mislead about the Vatican II church. And what I mean by mislead is, is that you you give false evidence that no 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 they're really catholic they're really catholic you know the people that are critical of it are crazy they're stupid they they're they're presumptuous you know if you if you attend or if you uh, defend this because you're afraid of losing friends family or if you work for the Vatican II sect, if you're afraid of losing your well-paying job over denouncing Vatican II, you're guilty of, of that question. Because basically, you're allowing um, secular or to put it in Catholic terms, temporal considerations get in the way of your duties toward God. Now, for my Neotrad friends, if you purposely malign, insult, falsely accuse, set of a contest, and by the way, of uh, I've, I've, you know, I've done, I've listened, you know, because I haven't always been a set of a contest. I had to do the research and some of the apologists, not all, but some of the neo-traditionalist apologists are some of the most pharisaical, um, uh, petty and uh, uncharitable people 
I have ever met, or I, I haven't met them, but that I've ever heard or seen what they've wrote. What I just described is what they do. They, they purposely malign, insult, falsely accuse, and distort the facts. Now, because everybody's an individual, I'm going to break this down. If they do this knowingly, it is the sin of bearing false witness, using provoking language, calling injurious names, and at the very least, judge rashly. In other words, if they judge rashly, my understanding would be that they're doing it out of ignorance. And it's still, it's still a sin. Um, basically, to judge rashly, it means that you did not, you did not do your due, your due diligence in a calm, thoughtful, and disinterested manner. Have you profaned, which means disrespected, anything religious? The answer is yes, if you attend the Vatican II Mass. And I'm going to list how, the, how uh, God is insulted. With its false priests, its profane liturgical doctrine, Here's some examples. Girls in ballerina costumes, guitar masses, and balloon masses is sacrilege against our Lord in the host by communion in the hand, standing while receiving our Lord. And I got publicly reprimanded by a priest when I was in Vatican II in front of the whole, uh, whole congregation that was present for kneeling for communion. You have rationally presumed upon God's forbearance in order to commit this sin. Basically, what I mean by that is um, any, any, most Catholics that, you know, they don't have to be amateur theologians. They don't have to be, you know, apologists to know that the, the errors that I just listed, which are actually heresies and blasphemies against God, know that this is, this is an insult toward God. But yet they still go to it. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be so presumptuous as to either judge a person's motives or try to say, you know, what's going to happen. I'm just going to say that in my observation, that it appears that either they're indifferent, they think it doesn't matter, they may be ignorant, or they may presume that God's going to give them a pass for whatever reason. But um, 
This, this is what I mean by forbearance in order to commit sin. If you think that Vatican II Council is heretical, or if any of the post-Pius XII popes or hierarchy is heretical, but still attend, support, and defend the Vatican II sect without researching the set of Acontis position from the set of Acontis themselves. I noticed that a lot of the quote-unquote neo-traditionalists who go after the set of Acontis like a rabid dog often base their arguments not on actual set of Acontis teachings, but what of the uh, but on the information of the neo-traditionalists and the Vatican II sect apologists have been saying. Now, once again, I'm not saying all. But most of them seem to do that. And if you go on the internet and you get some, you know, Vatican II defender, they, um, they'll, they'll try to argue with you, not, not based on what set of Acontis doctrine is, but they'll try to defend Vatican II on Vatican II terms. Now, if you're using, if you're, if you're going to criticize the set of Acontis doctrine just because to you the set of Acontis doctrine is wrong and it's improper and it's heretical and stuff, without actually listening, like I said, not not to your neo-trad apologists, not to your Vatican II apologists, but from actual set of Acontis themselves. And you're not... And you're not um, listening to... If you do listen to set of Acontis, and you're not doing it into in a thoughtful, careful, fair-minded, and honest way... Um. This is just my observation. I would think you're being impetuate, closed-minded, prideful, and complacent. And also guilty of presumption. Because if you're not giving... Let me, let me put to you as simply as I can. If you do believe that the Catholic Church is the one true way to heaven, and... There are, there is a group that's not affiliated with the Vatican II Church that's saying, well, actually, this is heretical. Your church is heretical. And they can give you chapter and verse, the heresies and the blasphemies committed. And you're, you don't want to hear it. You know, you don't want to hear it. Well, that's presumption. It's presumption because. And by the way, I, I wanna I wanna stress to you, go to any, like I said, go to the source. Don't don't go to your Vatican II sources, go to the source, the set of Acontis sources. <clears throat> I researched this for three years. Um 
There is nothing in their teachings, which, by the way, is pre-Vatican II Catholicism, that is not backed up. I mean, they can quote you chapter and verse. They have spilled tons of ink and video time proving that Vatican II is heretical. But because it makes you uncomfortable to admit that you've been living a lie, that's, that's still presumption. Because going back to the, to the quote in the book of St. John, we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, what that means is we follow the truth wherever it leads us. You know, if it means leaving family, friends, acquaintances to, to serve God in truth, then, you know, by the way, this also goes to the, to the Vatican II teaching of, oh, once you become a Catholic, your life is lollipops and sunshine. No, no, that's, that's, it's just wrong. You know, just as a matter of fact, um, somebody, I, I forget if it was a saint or if it's actually in the gospels, um, but it has been said that God chastises those who he love. Meaning that if he loves you, you're going to have hardships. And by the way, I am guilty of having this thought. It wasn't until this year that I actually came, uh, well, the, the Holy Ghost enlightened me to understand that everything that I've been to up until this point that's happened to me has been 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 preparing me for whatever God has in store for me in the future. But, you know, if you're not willing to sacrifice for God, I mean, I don't know how many of you are familiar with scripture, but if you're not willing to sacrifice for God and give up, you know, your cherished beliefs, your way of living to serve him, you know, how can you call yourself a, a follower of God. And if you're a proper Catholic, you should know that Catholics cannot support heretical movements, fake clergy, and ideas. And to go back to the liturgy, which has been mutilated beyond all recognition... How can you keep, if you're a neo-Catholic, how can you keep the proper feast days, saint calendars, or the fast when Vatican II totally changed them? Look at, compare, compare the neo-traditionalist Catholic liturgical calendar and compare it to the, the pre-Vatican II liturgical calendar. They're, they're different. They made major changes to the liturgical calendar. So in closing, I try to take my faith, God, his mother, and his one true church as seriously as seriously as my top priority. You might have thought 
that I was being rude or uncharitable. All I can say, if you think this, is your salvation relationship to God should be your number one priority. Meaning it's as serious as, as death. Especially if you have family and friends. Now, obviously, if you don't think the Catholic Church is the one true church, then this isn't going to apply to you because you're going to say, well, anybody can get to heaven. I can get to heaven. It doesn't matter. But if you feel that the Catholic Church is the one true faith, this is serious business. Because right now, there are two Catholic churches. There's the underground Catholic Church, which one set of Vacantist priests called the Church of the Catacombs. And then there's the public Catholic Church, which, in addition to being heretical and blasphemous, is also misleading people by its bad example. If you're totally honest with yourself, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Vatican II Church is giving the worst example of, of the Catholic Church that it can. So, basically, if you're going to, if, if, if you're going to hang on to what, you know, if you're going to hang on to what I consider a false church, and there's only one true way of salvation, and you're right, then yes, I will go to hell. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you know, and by the way, anybody, you know, your friends, your family, if they believe that this is, you know, that this is a uh, legitimate church and council, you know, it, all, all I'm going to say is it's, it's, a, it's a deadly situation because at the end of the day, both of us, actually, I should say all of us are going to have to give an account to God Almighty when we die. Okay? So I guess what I'm asking you guys is if you have doubt, well, even if you don't have doubts, Please, just for the sake of your souls, at least, you know, listen to the other side of the story. Listen to the other doctrine. You know, I'm not saying you have to join. If, if you still think it's garbage, you know, that's, that's your judgment. I'm just ask, I'm, I'm asking you humbly and contritely, at least give it a chance. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing this podcast, actually the whole podcast channel, I'm doing it not because, you know, for my glorification or to make money, but because I would like as many people as possible to get to heaven, you know, um, and getting to heaven is a deadly serious affair. And 
by taking this position seriously or as seriously as I can, I cannot sugarcoat my plea to please my more sensitive listeners. Hell is real. You know, despite what the uh, heretic in chief might claim right now. And when I say heretic in chief, I'm talking about Pope Francis or anti-Pope Francis. And this is a hell is a deadly, a deadly serious matter. Because hell isn't for five minutes. It's not for a month. It's not for a week. It's not for a year. Five years, 50 years, 100 years. It's forever. Please, for the love of all that's holy, please (laughs) hear what I'm saying. And St. Paul, in one of his epistles says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, be conformed to God. I want to urge you, humbly and earnestly, and with all charity, please, forget what you think you know, or what you've heard from the Vatican II sources, Try to approach this with humility, charity, and an open mind. If you still are unmoved, then at least you've been intellectually honest with yourself. And I honestly hope that this is the case because denial is not just a river in Egypt, as the old folks would say. Or if you don't want to research it at all, just try this. I beg you, please, just try this. And by the way, I'm speaking from experience. When I first first became a Protestant, you know, and I'm not going to say I thought of this. I think this was prompted by the Holy Ghost. I just asked God. I said, please, show me the truth. Help me to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, it took a while. But that's that's my fault. That's not God's fault. Um, I had too many sins and spiritual faults. But in the end, God's divine providence answered my prayers. A sincere and contrite heart when you pray. And all all you have to do is just ask God, please lead me to the truth. That's it. That's all you have to ask. But the condition of your prayer is also important. You have to do this with sincerity. And you have to do this with an open heart. An open heart. You can't let your heart be polluted by any preconceived notions or doubts or any of that, just ask God, please lead me to the truth. That's it. You don't have to make it a paragraph. You don't have to make it a a mini novel. That's it. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the uh, 
set of accountants, uh, priest gave, uh, a series of talks on the spiritual life. And what he said was, was that God really doesn't care for, uh, you know, big, long speeches or, you know, you know, he, he, he's not looking for Shakespeare. What he wants is, is a proper disposition and a sincere prayer. In conclusion, I've already I already said my podcasts are not for my glory or glorification. But the reason I do do these podcasts is I want to serve God to the best of my abilities and doing his will in my own imperfect way. Now, I'm going to close out with a prayer. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, thank you for your time. God bless you. I'm praying for you. And by the way, I'm, I'm praying for everybody. Have a good day and be careful. Goodbye.